0: Shake it off. Shake it off. Hoo, hoo,
1: hoo, hoo. Hello. Hello, John Roderick. Hello, Dan Benjamin. How are you? I'm exceptionally well. Yeah, what's going on? I saw a picture of you. I think it was on your own Instagram. You're on stage with uh, Fiona Apple. Mm. Yes. I would love to hear that story. <laughs> well where do i begin i don't know how does uh, how does one begin
0: i met fiona apple several years ago at a dinner party in new york city when she was dating the novelist and television uh empresario jonathan ames ah and um uh we hit it off famously at the time you know she uh obviously is a famous person yeah But she is also somebody that absolutely gives you her full attention when she's speaking to you, right? She's not a Hollywood person who looks over your shoulder when she's talking to you. She (laughs) is a, um, I mean, she, she's an exceptional person, not somebody that you would describe as being a normal person. But when she's talking to you, she looks at you and is listening to you and is communicating directly with you. And that is the, that's like the. The benchmark that's the standard for me right if a person i don't care how famous they are or how unfamous they are right the question is do they look at you and listen to you when they're talking to you this is the great thing about adam savage another television empresario who um who is very uh very popular and very busy and a lot of demands on him but when he's talking to you he speaks t- directly to you and he is thinking about you and what you're saying yeah i meet people all the time who are in bands who are not the least bit famous but in their minds (laughs) they're very important and they are they are only half listening to you when they're talking to you and that's a, a thing i find just intolerable so anyway i was very impressed with fiona apple everyone in the place you know wanted her attention everywhere we went you know it's New York City, people aren't that impressed, but she's pretty impressive. Oh, God, and yet she's she amazing, was, right? Yeah, right. And yet she was really engaged in like what she was doing. And so uh, so suffice to say I had a very good um personal impression of her. And then I bumped into her, you know, once or twice, but always just very like in passing. Yeah. And then I showed up at this show because the The Watkins family, who are two-thirds of the band Nickel Creek. Okay. They are a brother and sister duo who are spectacular musicians from from San Diego town. (laughs) Or from rural San Diego. (laughs) uh, San Diego environs. And uh, so they are doing this family kind of show that's... In the in, It feels like the Ryman Auditorium in 1962. It's, you know, some fiddle playing, some storytelling, some country music, some rock music. But their lead vocalist is Fiona Apple. And she's not really even, she's not billed. She's not, um, they're not promoting her because right. if you promote her, then all of a sudden there's, it's a, the crowd gets crazy. and And so, Fiona is just on tour with her friends and she sings probably 70% of the lead vocals of oh, wow. the show. And so they asked me to come and sing uh, three songs and, and I did. And again, Fiona completely, it's, it's very unusual. You know, in some ways, she's the strongest person in the room by far. Yeah. Pout. Power- the, I'm sorry, the most powerful person. Okay. In the room. But she's also very delicate. Like she's very, she's startled by loud noises. She's, she gets overwhelmed very easily by, by crowds. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is that she, she is giving her full attention to things. So that gets overwhelming. It does for me.
1: She but, sounds like a kindred spirit to you in
0: a lot of ways. Well, she's far beyond me in terms of like the plane that she's operating on. Right. Like she's, she is, she's feeling things at a, at a heightened level that I can't quite, I mean, she would be a handful to be friends with, mm-hmm. close friends with. But, uh, but I'm, I'm an admirer of her of her performance style certainly. And then, and the thing is I'm, so I'm on stage with her and we're, we're covering a grateful dead song that truth be told, I do not know that intimately. (laughs) I know some grateful dead songs pretty well, but this one is one of those ones that I always, it was on American beauty. I always felt like it was sort of one of the melodically meandering ones. Uh I don't know how familiar you are with the record American beauty.
1: Not intimately familiar with it, but i'm I'm looking it up as you're talking about it. American Beauty
0: <clears throat> had a lot of their hits if you if they can be said to have had hits right, but it's pretty early on in the Grateful Dead Canon. it was their early peak, and it was you know arguably they were kind of part of the movement that was inventing country rock at that okay. moment they were. They were harmonizing in ways that Crosby, Stills, and Nash were going to take oh, from. Cool, cool. They were inventing sounds that the Eagles were going to exploit. They were, you know, they were incorporating country in a way that you know it's sort of like the band was also doing a similar thing in a different way. Mm. I mean, it was part of a it was part of a moment in time, but that also means that. You know, I find country music is the forms are very simple. And then country music is all about the adornment, the like the instrumental adornment and the, um, and sort of the, the message of the, of the lyrics. But the, the, the form, the form of country music you know, it doesn't have a lot of surprises. It has one, every, a great country song will have one or two surprises in it. But for the most part, it's like it, it, it sticks to the form. Right. Anyway. So there's stuff on American beauty. That's some of it is amazing. And some of it is just sort of like, Oh yeah, it's, you know, this is, <laughs> this is good. Clean your bong music. <laughs> and so this particular song was one of those. And I didn't have it memorized. Exactly. Exactly. And Fiona and I are sharing a mic and at a certain point she can tell that I am, I mean, I'm singing, but I'm not, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, at the end of the, the end of the line, it's like, does it end on the word to, or does it end on the word go? And I'm sort of, you know, I'm fake, faking my way through it.
1: Did she give you the, uh, I know there's a term for this in, in the biz, but, but the, the list of songs you were going to be the set list. Is that right? Oh yeah, of course. I knew the song. Oh, in ad- I knew the song in advance.
0: <laughs> okay. But you know, I'm a busy guy. I don't. No, I of sit course. around listen And <laughs> Grateful Dead songs are all seven minutes long. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of time. So she does a thing which no. I've shared the stage with a handful of musicians. Let's say,
1: yeah, some greats.
0: But ha- no one has ever done this where she. She's sharing a mic. She realizes that I don't know the song intimately. And she turns, you know, some, some musicians <laughs> in this standpoint would, uh, in this situation would be like, okay, I get, I get it. My friend here doesn't know the song all the way. And so they would kind of cheat the mic over to themselves <laughs> and give you like a quarter of the edge of the mic and just be like, you just, you know, you just sing the high points. And, and for me, as the person who doesn't know the song very well I would be fine with that mm-hmm. I would be like absolutely <laughs> you sing into the mic I will sing into the side of the mic <laughs> like that's the that, that would be the normal response yeah but she turns toward me on the stage already very unusual but move puts the mic directly between us makes like laser beam eye contact and proceeds to sing the song to me in a way where you have, you know, you do have the ability on stage to be within, a, you know, a couple of milliseconds behind and still be, you know, singing the tune. And so she's singing it to me and kind of, not exaggeratedly, but very much like using the power of energy to commune with a big smile on her face, communicating the song to me in real time. So suddenly I am singing the lyrics (laughs) because the lyrics are being channeled through me by her, by her like intensity. (laughs) And I was so grateful. It was kind of amazing. And again, an unprecedented amount of sharing, uh, huh. That she was under, you know, like no expectation, no obligation to do this. But she's like, oh, here, join in, you know, join me in the song. I'm going to, I'm going to help you. I'm going to walk you through this. It was like your minds were linked in a way. She totally mind melded me (laughs) and carried (laughs) me through to the end of the tune where I was like, that was kind of intense. (laughs) I mean, for me. Like, I was singing a song I kind of know, but I was singing it pretty well because Fiona Apple was sharing one-tenth of her, one-tenth of one percent of her, like, uh, the, of the energy of the white-hot sun that burns inside of her.
1: Right. And it
0: was just going through me and coming back out. So, the picture that I posted was not of that moment. It was, you know, it was at some point in the thing, we both turned to face the audience. We're sharing a mic, and in order to share it, because she's smaller than me, again, rather than kind of stand to the side and let me sing into one quarter of it, she leaned back into me, and I'm singing kind of over her shoulder mm-hmm. into the microphone. All of it very intense for me as a performer who normally, you know, isn't sharing a mic with somebody, let's say. Uh, very very heavy, like performance. Um, sort sort of like, perf- like I, there's no there's not a word to use other than generosity. Yeah. Um. So, I was already a fan
1: <laughs> of her <laughs> yeah.
0: personally, and you know, and and musically, but now I just think that she's otherworldly. Yeah. And of course, the Watkins, uh, the uh, Sarah and Sean Watkins, also extraordinary—not just extraordinary musicians, but extraordinary people. And it's—it's it's, uh, nights like that are a real reminder. Like, oh my God, what a what a lucky, how lucky I am to live in that world and to be able to kind of move in and out of it. Yeah, and ha- have nights like that, and then sort of, you know. We all went out afterwards, had some bar food, some laughs, and then, you know, we all go our separate ways. And that's the musician, that's the the itinerant right salesperson kind of world. We'll see each other months from now. Yeah. Um, but if there's a closeness that 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 kind of thing experience
1: gives you that it's just like hmm, that's not comparable to other things. That's just great and crazy because I saw this picture and like seeing the picture of you on Instagram with Fiona Apple, it's not like, oh, crap, like John's with Fiona. It's more like, well, of course he is on the one hand. But then on the other hand, I knew there was this some some kind of really amazing story because you're sharing a mic. I mean, you don't usually have the, the two mics set up.
0: Yeah, sure, you'd be... You'd, but, you know, the thing is, we were sharing a mic because there were also... There were nine other people on stage. <laughs> all of them, like, also in their own right. Like a Prairie Home Companion kind of Yeah, stage. and, and ev- everybody up there, incredible performer, not just great musician on one instrument, but I, I'm pretty confident everyone on the stage could have played every instrument on this. Oh, man. So, <clears throat> it's a very different it's a very different scene than the one I came up in, but it's, it's so gratifying even to get a glimpse of it. And I'm, you know, and I'm sure everybody there at one level knows that, that I am a boat anchor, <laughs> right? You know, like <laughs> if, if, if suddenly, if suddenly the double bass player is like, Hey, somebody cover the base. There are six people that can do a better job than I can before it gets to me. Right. Like it's, it's the, It's like the presidential line of succession. Like six different people would have to be felled by assassins bullets before I, (laughs) before they were like, well, let's get Roderick on the (laughs) bass. And I have been a professional bass player. So, you know, I'm not, it's not that I can't do it, but boy, there, there's a, there's a level of, of, of skill, of accomplishment in that crowd that, um, the indie rock crowd we measure accomplishment on a very different scale.
1: Yeah. But well, this is still though, has to be a highlight for you. It's great. It's great. But, uh, but
0: also it, it, it goes into the, it goes into the file of all the great shows. Yeah, <laughs> And you know, when, 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 when you think about like, who is the, who is the most ultimately the, the, the encounters and the shows that I remember the best are the ones that have this quality that I'm describing where the other person is really tuned in. And there are so many times I've been on stage where it's like, Oh, that's enviable. You know, like I'm on stage with David Byrne. How, how exciting and how, how I never would have dreamt of being on, of sharing the stage with David Byrne. Yeah. Um, you know, David Byrne didn't really give me any energy one way or the other. Hmm. He was he was focused on on a point on the horizon and and um, and so I I only mention it because that's an example of a thing that I probably should have it on my Pinterest somewhere. Uh-huh. I should I should have <laughs> pinned pinned it, but right. I but I didn't because because I've I've been on stage with a lot of people and. Most of it is sort of like, yeah, that was fun. It's the, it's the rare occasion. And I, I, f- I feel like if a completely unknown singer had given me the attention and intensity that uh, Fiona and Apple did the other night, I would have been just as stunned. It was, mo- it was, it was stunning because it was like a very unusual human experience having nothing at all to do with the fact that, or rather Maybe it has a lot to do with the fact that she was famous 15 years ago, but, but, you know, I wasn't really conscious of her career at the time. Somebody sent me a text message. They were like, oh, the video for her song, whatchamacallit, you know, was very, very important to me at the time. Mm -hmm. And I had to go Google the video and I watched it, maybe not for the first time, but but I I didn't recall it. Yeah. And you know, in nineteen ninety, what would that have been? 2000? 1998? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have a TV. I wasn't. I wasn't watching MTV at that point in my life. So you know what I mean? Like I don't. I don't have. I don't. I saw her picture in magazines, but I wasn't like a. Um, I wasn't twenty. Right. When she was coming up so so yeah anyway the 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 experience was much more like wow if if I could be one tenth one hundredth that generous on stage with other people and maybe I am maybe you are I just am generous in a different way I don't know I honestly can't say I'm still you know it was uh, it was very very unusual for me and particularly like Northwest indie rock, you know, you do, you, sometimes you call your friend up to play the tambourine on your track <laughs> at a big show, but, but there's not a, there's not a sense of like, just, just pile on the stage, grab an instrument and let's jam. Yeah. Because, because our style of music making is so less uh, uh, structured around a basic form. And if you know the basic form of of traditional music, then there's you have all this room to improvise and play around within the form because everybody knows more or less where it's going to go next. And in indie rock, that isn't the case. Every song is completely different. It's a it's a hodgepodge. It's um, the whole point of the songwriting is to have. As many tricks as you can fit into a song, and so there's no way you could just jump up, grab a bass, and and figure it out, you know, uh, in the same way that you can with country music. So,
1: I was riding around with my son uh, over the weekend in the car, and you know, he's very interested in very interested in music, and you know, I I try to expose him to as many different kinds of music as I possibly can. And he's got a very kind of uncanny ability to hear a little bit of music and 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 forever recognize the artist and song kind of mm-hmm. forever. And he, he can draw similarities between not just genres of music, but like he was able to, you know, I played Nirvana for him quite a bit and then, I remember the first time I played Foo Fighters for him. He said, "This sounds so much like Nirvana. Is it Nirvana?" And I said, "Well, kind of." <laughs> and you know, so I try, I try to bring, you know, that that kind of something new every week. I'll bring something new. And I played him a couple of your songs a while ago, but now uh, that you know we've been doing the show, I feel like part of my preparation for the show is to listen to as much of your music as possible, as often as possible. And so yes. we, we were driving around, we were listening to it. And, uh, I, I would like to say I've, you have a new, a, a new fan. Uh, Did he recognize the Fiona Apple influence in my music? Di- I don't think he picked up on that. Um, but he, he definitely could, he, he mm-hmm. knew it was, it was, uh, independent rock as opposed to, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, like, uh, like kiss or rock. something. Yeah. Right. Right. And, uh, and he, he drew some connections to, uh, they might be giants, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he he mentioned the pixies at one point.
0: That's nice. It's a nice
1: comparison. Uh, I'll so, take it. Yeah, and he's and he was insistent. He was. I will tell you. He was absolutely insistent that Blue Diamonds is on the radio all the time. And I said, well, that's because I play it a lot. And he said, no, I hear it with mom too when mom's driving. So just you, I, I, if that's true, you've got. You know <laughs> you're being played in Austin, I don't know if that's possible or true or what, but sure it is possible, yeah, yeah, who knows yeah but uh but
0: the you know my record company also thought that blue Diamonds belonged on the radio yeah. all the time. uh and then <laughs> the rest of America sort of took a took a pass or or it was definitely on the radio for a while, but it's not something that that uh, that you hear at baseball stadium. <laughs>
1: Right, I I guess not.
0: (laughs) Could have,
1: could have, could have, should have, woulda. Yeah, but he like he likes it, so he's a big you're popular with, with, uh, with us at the household.
0: Well, that's very gratifying to know. Yeah, it's part of the, you know, part of my my slow plan to (laughs) infiltrate your family. Yeah, and your mind. Uh huh. Um, and just. Just sort of slowly, sort of turn your brains into host organisms. Yes, yes. For uh, for my uh, for for this uh, for this virus that I don't even know what the point of it is. <laughs> Maybe I am also a host organism for someone else who's colonized me, and now I'm just out performing my <laughs> my my link in the chain. My job. Right. All right. Like Just a toxoplasmosis go. thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, and whoever, whoever, whatever bit of, of cat dander it was that <laughs> infected me is invisible to me. And, uh, but we're all, you know, it's, it's all, it's like the cover of, um, of Megadeth's <laughs> piece sells, but who's buying? Or maybe, no, maybe I'm thinking of the number of the beast. One of those has some sort of, <clears throat> um, uh, Nuclear Skeletor with the with the, holding the puppet strings.
1: Oh right, it's no, that's master of puppets. It's, no, that's that's a uh, piece salesman who's buying. Yeah, <clears throat> where he's got the for sale sign up. Yeah, and he's yeah. controlling all the all the 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 radiated zombies. Now wait a minute, that you're right. That is Number of the Beast. Is it? No, oof,
0: boy, my metal. I yep, uh, no, I just lo- I just
1: loaded it up. You're right. You're right. Number, it's the, Number beast. the Beast. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Also what's the cover of Peace sells who's buying? That's the skeleton with the uh, with leaning the on the for sale
1: sign with the uh, yeah with the goggles on. Goggles. You got to have goggles. <laughs> I remember when people took, you know, Megadeth and Iron Maiden very very seriously as a way of life back in in <laughs> early high school like You like remember mid-80s. when?
0: What are you talking about? <laughs> They're still very very serious ways are of there, life.
1: Are there mosh pits
0: still going on? Well, I don't know if it's all. It doesn't have to happen in a mosh pit, my friend. <laughs> right? Right. It can happen behind the counter at a pawn shop. It can happen <laughs> underneath the hood of your Z twenty eight. It can happen a lot of places. <laughs> now, I did a little research this week. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I went and i i read uh, I read the Wikipedia's. <laughs> For all of the five by fives. Oh wow! I did some five by five network research
1: because I want to. <laughs> and
0: and and by the way, happened to notice that this show is not listed as one of the current shows on the five by five network.
1: No, it, I don't know what. Um, who? It's his, all right. It's all right. No, I don't know who controls the Wikipedia. It's, no, it's got to be some.
0: It has to be done independently. Right. I can't. It do has it. to be independent research. <laughs> but I went and I learned all these. <laughs> things i learned about john circuza yeah i learned about marco armand armand uh-huh. armand Arment. right from the, mm-hmm. the I French. you've had a lot of shows yeah and some of them have gone you know mike hurley
1: right I've, brett terpstra i've talked to some of these people sure right you did a lot of interviews with brett
0: and they were all um they were all five by five
1: programs yeah they all they all started there for the most part
0: yeah, and some every of those podcast points,
1: started on five, five at one I point. So. I
0: think, yeah, but so now I have a much broader knowledge of uh, of kind of the network, which is important to me. I I like to know like who's friends with who, right. who's, who's sleeping with who? Who's <laughs> mad at who? Right? Whom? And uh, so I still don't quite know. I still don't quite. Have you know? It's not all a hundred percent clear, but I have a much much better picture of the of the uh, of the scene.
1: Yeah, right, right.
0: So what? So all those shows that you know, all the shows on the list of like five by five shows that aren't currently being
1: produced, like there's a lot what? that 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 for one reason or another that you know they ran their course or some how are still you, going. And,
0: you want to stay out of that boneyard. Like, how, what is a, what does a podcaster do? to make sure that he doesn't like wander over into the, into the death zone. Right. <laughs> like it I, I was down in that section of the five by five and it felt like that scene in Terminator where they, <laughs> you know, where you, that first glimpse you have of the apocalyptic future right. where the robots are just crushing oh, people's God. bones. Yeah. God, I don't want to be one of those podcasts. Ugh. Just, just dead on a, <laughs> on a bleak
1: warscape. Oh God. Like the megadest the cover,
0: I'm telling you it's all it's, it's all of a piece. It's all of a piece. Yeah, I want to stay. I want to stay alive. Is it one of these things where, when Dan Benjamin says, "Come with me if you want to live," all oh, right, just grab his hand and <laughs> don't look back.
1: <laughs> yeah, so are you kind of asking uh, like why some shows keep going and why other ones end? Well, I'm not sure. I want to know. No, I I, I think uh, it feels like information is dangerous to have. You know, I wish there was like, I wish I had like a single explanation that made, that made sense, but everyone was kind of a little bit different, you know, like some of them were the, the other hosts took, uh, took a full-time job and, and you know, and they, they couldn't do it anymore that we have a, had another show recently where the hosts of the show, one got a new job and the other one had like his fourth kid or something. And they just couldn't, they couldn't find time to do it. We've had shows where, you know, people just felt like the show had had run its course and they were they were done with it. Uh, other other people left with great drama. So I mean, it really just kind of depends, like on a show by show basis. But I had never really wanted to start like a a network where I would have all of these shows and be doing all of this stuff. And I, I've I've told the story a few times, but it's kind of funny. Like when I first started doing it. Shows kind of had like a, a download ceiling, like you would only get a could only really get a certain number of listeners, at least in the in the realm that I am or what or was in at the time. Well, a lot fewer people had computers then, is one part of it. <laughs> true. And the right? one thing they, you... <laughs> they were hamster powered computers, and
0: yeah, you'd get up to thirty five hundred downloads or whatever, and you're pretty much at the ceiling of how right. many people had computers at the
1: time. <laughs> That's right. We had, but you know it, it we were selling you know the way that like in podcasting back then it was kind of the same it's kind of more so now this way but back then you know we were selling the shows pretty much based on the number of listeners that we had and those were measured in in the number of unique downloads for each episode so if a show if i was able to start a show and maybe get it to 10,000 downloads or 5,000 downloads or 50,000 whatever the number might have been and it wasn't usually 50 that that there would kind of be that ceiling for the audience. But meanwhile, like this is still, but back then too, was how I paid my bills. And if I wanted to make enough to pay the mortgage on the house that is we it, bought. It, is it how you pay your automobiles? Everything. Really? Yeah. It has been since 2009 and doing it full time, you know, like I had had a real job and then I had gone to start my own thing. And, you know, so how, how will I pay the bills? Well, if I can't get more listeners to show A and show B, they're both sort of capped out or like they're adding listeners, but they're adding them by one a week or a hundred a week. That's not enough to make a, a real dent in the mortgage payment, mm-hmm. but I could start a new show and then the new show would get another five to 10,000 listeners. I can go and sell that one and then I can sell it for more. And that's kind of why I sort of spawned so many shows. I'm always sort of envious of people like, Who, who, who are you? Know have one show that's like a huge success, and they only have to do the one thing. uh, Because my whole life would be so much easier if I had like one thing. I, I love that. I love people who have one thing that they just do. You know, Mm -hmm. like uh, Letterman had, you know, his show, and he wasn't. You didn't see him like. Well, sometimes he like does the you know, the, 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 the weather on a local, no, he's not doing anything else. He has his one thing, you know, like he has this thing that he does and he does it well. And it, for whatever stroke of luck or hard work or combination that now he can just go and do that one thing. And, you know, there's so many of the shows that I've done that I've just absolutely loved doing them and still love doing, you know, the ones that I'm doing. And like, I can make a living doing something that I love, which is like, also pretty amazing but i still love that that the concept of doing like i i have a, i have this show you know mm-hmm. and that that show is the thing that i do that makes like i'm not trying to sort of scramble to say well this show isn't doing great but this other one is doing better and how do we do more you know it's And like this isn't one like I didn't get a degree in broadcasting or anything like that. Like I have an English degree, so oh, a
0: degree in broadcasting would just slow you down. You're
1: you're probably right.
0: (laughs) But um, were you conscious at any one point that that every time you started a new podcast (laughs) and you got five thousand new listeners, that those were just the same five thousand people that were listening to the last podcast, and now you were taxing their available time and energy, and so there are those five thousand core people that now have to listen to like 11 teen podcasts.
1: this <laughs> definitely was that way for a while. And they're like, stop,
0: Dan Benjamin, no more podcasts. And then you're like,
1: I have a new podcast.
0: Oh, no, I'm not going to see my kids.
1: <laughs> I think you're describing like 2009 through 2011 or 12, actually. Cause like You'll we, find that I do that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> But we had, you know, but now like one of the things I love about the shows that I'm doing now is that they're really, really are so different, you know, like they're really different. And the people that I get to do shows with like you and uh, and and some of our other mutual friends, like it's it's so much fun because they are so, so different from one another. Whereas there was a long time where I, it seemed like every show that I did, although I was doing it with a different Co-host on the show, like we really talked about m- many of the same things, and most Which of the was basically Apple like, <laughs> was right, Apple. And,
0: and how to get your printer to work, right? I mean, it was,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it right. Was,
0: it was talking about Apple, but like specifically, like what 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 drop-down menu is it where <laughs> I can where I can change the font, right? Like fonts right?
1: and keyboards, and you keyboards. know, keyboards, yeah. So. Uh, so a lot of that has changed
0: too, right? Because Apple has made it impossible to make any modifications. It, it just, it comes out of the box. There's one big button. You push it and then that button, then, then that button, you know, splits off into two buttons. It's all up on the cloud. <laughs> That's right, right. You don't, you don't have any choices anymore. No. It's all owned by, it's all owned by Apple. Apple and Google are fighting over the bones of every single thing that you put out on the internet. You don't have any choice anymore. So what is there to podcast about? Well, stuff like this. Yeah.
1: And talk about, true. talk about real life.
0: Talking about real life. That's fucking right. I know it. That's right. That's what this podcast should have been
1: called. Real life.
0: Real we life. We can change it. No, no, no. I like road work. It, it, you, the thing about road work is that it, it suggests all this possibility. Yeah. Road work. Self-improvement is and what does that even mean? Like road, whoa, road work. (laughs) It could, it could mean a lot of things. It could mean that Dan Benjamin and John Roderick go on tour to people's places.
1: Let's go on the road. Take the show on the road, take the show
0: on the road, show up places, just show up at malls, do like 20 minutes of just straight up, no holds barred bare knuckle podcasting. (laughs) Yeah. Right there by the fountain in the center of the mall. (laughs) while all the kids are just like breakdancing and freaking out with the excitement, then we're just, we just pack it up <laughs> and just drive out into the, you know, into the, um, smoke colored sunset. And we just leave those people in the town, you know, and there there's just always going to be more. Yeah, that's right. There's going to be like some preacher in every town. That's like no podcasting. <laughs> podcasting <laughs> just leads to sex and violence. And we're going <laughs> to yeah. be like, fuck you, man. Podcasting's where it's at. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, we'll have our hair all fucked up and and I like this. I'm down with all this. Yeah. See, this is the future. It's not a bunch of talking about Macintoshes.
1: (laughs) No, it isn't.
0: Sitting around just wondering about about the latest apps. No, it's about talking about real life and breakdancing and real things.
1: Yeah. Malls. Have you ever been, in, have you ever performed in a mall? <laughs> <laughs> I have performed. I got, I got one
0: better than that. Okay. I have performed at the <laughs> opening of a mall, the oh grand man. opening. <laughs> Where was this? Of the Westfield. It's, so it wasn't, it wasn't a brand new mall. It was an old mall that had been rehabilitated by the Westfield Mall Corporation. Westfield, had, New Jersey? No, I believe the Westfield Mall super company is maybe an Australian (laughs) company. It's some company that owns and brands malls everywhere. Oh, wow. And so in Seattle, we had Northgate. Oh, look at this. And we had South Center. Those were the two old malls, Northgate and South Center. And Westfield came in and bought South Center and completely rebuilt it. And made it into a shiny, shiny, brassy,
1: I mean, I'm sure they would describe it as an upscale mall. I'm looking at pictures of it. It's got a Duke's uh, Chowder House. Duke's Chowder House. It's got a, uh, is that a Joey's? There's a Joey's. The, the Joey's, it's <laughs> li- literally, and this
0: is the thing I don't understand. People will pull up Valet Park and stand behind a velvet rope. To get into Joey's, which is a restaurant in a mall. <laughs> and the Duke's Chowder house I mean, that's $24 entrees there. That's not, it's not just get, it's not a Chipotle. Right. It's a, it's like a place where you go on prom night or you take your uncle when he's in from out of town. And I'd, I would not personally take a visiting out of town guest to a restaurant <laughs> in a mall, even if it had a separate outside entrance. <laughs>
1: It offers a casual, laid-back atmosphere where comfort, great drinks, and scrumptious food all come together.
0: It's true. <clears throat> it's absolutely true. <laughs> and um, you know, it is a chowder house, so you can get like halibut tacos. It's not. It's not limited to, like just pork tacos. You can <laughs> right. get. You can get fish in anything. Uh, but so anyway, so they uh, so I got a phone call and they were like will you play the opening of our mall? And I said, no. Right. And they said, what if we paid you this at the time, pretty astronomical sum. And I was like, yes. (laughs) And they said, great, we'll send a car for you. And I was like, I like this more and more all the time. Right. They said the car will arrive at 7 (laughs) a.m. Or maybe 6 a.m. It was something where I was just like, what? This changes everything. No amount of money you pay me. (laughs) But they were like, you know, too bad you already said yes. And so a car arrived. I got in it. I went down to the mall. It was the crack of dawn. Mm -hmm. There was a stage set up in front of the main entrance outside. And already two hours before the mall was scheduled to open, there were 8,000 people. Oh my gosh. And I looked out and was like, What are you... What is... I mean... I couldn't... I can't get 250 people to buy a $20 ticket to see a fantastic night of entertainment. But 8,000 people are up at 6 in the morning to see the opening of a mall? What do I not understand about human beings? (laughs) And somebody, you know, I'm walking around, I have a guide, I have like a, a handler, and the handler's like, oh, well, a lot of the stores are giving like free samples and stuff. Uh-huh. And I was like, I've been to enough malls to know that 99% of the stores in the mall, if they gave me everything in the store for free, I wouldn't accept it. Like, what does a, a free sample from Juicy Couture look like? <laughs> it looks like a swag bag full of garbage that I'm going to throw throw away before I leave the mall. Uh-huh. 8,000 <laughs> people. So by the by showtime there's 10,000 people
1: there. Oh man.
0: And along the along the rope line at the front of the stage there's somebody from the food network that's apparently very famous There's a juggler on stilts. (laughs) There's somebody from America's Next Top Model. They're all like down there working the rope line. The governor of the state of Washington is there. And then they say to me like, okay, I mean, there's no sound check. There's no preparation of any kind. And then they're like, okay, you're on. And I walk up on the stage with my guitar. <laughs> I look out at this sea of people and then I look down and I realize there are no monitors on the stage. And I turn to the guy who's helping me plug my, my cable in and I say, there are no monitors. And he's like, oh yeah, that's right, there aren't any. <laughs> and I said, there aren't any
1: at all. And he's like, nope, as he's leaving. How, how important is that to a stage performer?
0: Uh, well, in a situation like this where you are being amplified through a giant speaker column that is pointed away from you across a huge parking lot. <laughs> um, it's fairly important that you have some way of monitoring what you're doing. And what it turned out was that the sound from the speaker column went across the, the parking lot, which is probably a hundred acres across the street and it hit the wall of the Target and Joseph A. Bank's <laughs> men's store in the neighboring mall. <laughs> and then the sound was reflected back to me at about a 2.1 second delay. Oh, that will mess with you. Uh, so, you know, I was like, hello, how's everybody? Hello, how's everybody? <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I can't even say, I can't even banter into this microphone because future me, Mm -hmm. two seconds in the future me is yelling at me from across the parking lot with this reflected like echo. So I start to play my songs, which none of the 10,000 people has ever heard. Mm -hmm. They have no context for why I'm here. You know, Jonathan Colton tells a story about Playing his IKEA song at the opening of an IKEA. <laughs> Nobody there knew him, but they at least understood he had a song about IKEA. Uh-huh. <laughs> I did not have a song about a mall, and none of my songs can be repurposed to be about a mall. <laughs> so I played, you know, five songs, which is kind of what I thought the deal was. And I looked over at the sound man. After song number five, and I was like, "Are we, you know, are we good here?" And he gave me the international sign for "stretch it out," oh, which is which is what, which is you you take the, your two hands in front of your body and you pull apart as though you're pulling a piece of saltwater taffy. <laughs> Like you, and you do that over and over, like put your hands together, right. squeeze down, and then pull apart like a piece of salt saltwater taffy. But the taffy in this illustration is actually time. <laughs> stretch it out. Stretch it out, which means, you know, keep going, which means we're waiting for the governor to arrive or we're waiting for the big moment. And so stretch it out. So I played a sixth song. And I mean, this is excruciating. And also, I should say that the guy from the Food Network and the person from America's Top Model and the mime juggler on (laughs) stilts had not stopped working the rope line, which is right at the foot of the stage where I am performing. So the only people that I could possibly have a personal connection with, which are the people in the first four rows of the crowd that I can see... They are all focused on like Gordon Ramsay, right, or whoever it is that's out there handing out <laughs> uh, like pigs in a blanket off of a tray, and so I'm not able to connect with them, and I'm certainly not connecting with the other nine thousand people who are just there to get, um, you know, to get a gift bag from from a place that sells uh, uh, glitter. Or I don't know what what I don't I don't even know what kind of stores go in a mall, Uh, scented candles or something. So (laughs) I look over at the guy after the sixth song and I'm like, "Come on, can we be done here? You guys said like five five or six songs. I've I've met that requirement." He's like, "Stretch it out." Oh man! And so I go. I end up playing an entire like what feels like an eternity eight songs. 10 songs. I don't know. It felt like forever. It felt like I was roasting on a spit. And then, (laughs) during my last song, behind me, on the giant wall of the front of the mall, the Cirque du Soleil (laughs) aerial acrobatic squad, (laughs) in conjunction with the team from China to... (laughs) had never performed in America before, doing an aerialist ribbon dance, <laughs> all repelled down the front of the mall and hung upside down, spinning around like um, you know, like some sort of insect You've got to be kidding. Spinning their cocoons. Oh, thank God. And, you know, and the entire time, I mean honestly, I'm I'm up there going like, what am I doing here? <laughs> and no amount of money can can ever repay me for ba- this bad decision? <laughs> and then I finish the the last song. The guy goes, "Okay, you're done." I bump into the governor on my way off the stage. She comes up and says, "I now declare this mall open," <laughs> <laughs> and nine thousand people like like <laughs> rush into the mall, <laughs> and then the mall is like alive finally it's been it's been inhabited by the corpuscles (laughs) that make up its limbic system and they're all moving around and getting teriyaki and buying sweatpants and (laughs) and 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 eating at the rainforest cafe and and uh and getting bedazzled (laughs) and buying iphone for four covers and i just i went down again, I'm not kidding, to the Duke's chowder house because no one was getting chowder at eight o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I found a booth and I sat in the booth and I put my head down on the table in a, a, another international symbol, which is do not talk to me right now. Right. And I lay there in the Duke's chowder house covered in flop sweat, signaling do not talk to me right now for a <laughs> while. <laughs> Before I got up, I was like, "All right, uh, 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 I'll take a look at this mall. What do you got in here? You guys got a uh, you got a place that sells uh, uh, remote control cars?"
1: Man, and they did, and they did. <sighs> Nine a.m. July twenty-five, acoustic performance by saddle-based musician John Roderick of the Long Winters will kick off the event, <laughs> emceed by TV and radio personality Pat Cashman. Shoppers uh, who are in line before nine thirty will receive a scratch off ticket revealing a prize valued to twenty five dollars or more from various retailers. Ooh, twenty five bucks!
0: <laughs> so you're telling me it was at nine o'clock in the morning?
1: That's what that's or what the Kent reporter says. It seemed
0: a lot earlier, uh, but you know, at that point in my life, nine a.m. might have seemed like six a.m. It definitely, it definitely was was early, but I'm embarrassed to to learn that it was actually nine because that seems like a reasonable time.
1: Well, you might have got you might have been there early, you know, to set up.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't there at six a.m. <laughs> to set up for
1: a nine o'clock show. There
0: wasn't any sound check. It was just a. And Pat Cashman is one of those. I'm sure you have these uh, people in Austin and in in uh, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. um, where they're like sort of a legendary local broadcaster. Oh yeah. Right, that that had, Pat Cashman had been doing the drive time radio since the '50s or something. You know, somebody, somebody that that all the all the people who were waiting in line at the mall, like maybe their grandparents knew who Pat Cashman was.
1: <laughs> oh yeah.
0: But looking at them, they absolutely were. I mean, every single one of those eight thousand to ten thousand people had some kind of lower back tattoo. <laughs> Right. Some of them were Celtic, you know, Celtic knots. Some of them said, you know, no entry or whatever. I don't know. There was like a whole variety of, them. but uh, but pretty sure
1: every single person. Had well, I'm, as I look at the grand opening schedule here, after you, I mean, there, there are speeches. There's a celebrity stylist, uh, Robert Verdi. Uh-huh. I'm glad uh, that
0: this is documented on the internet and I'm glad that you are doing this research
1: yeah no uh, there is children's entertainment and events at the new kids uh, play space there's a wine tasting from oh, 3 to 7 p.m.
0: and see I was gone by then
1: <laughs> and then at, at 10 10 a.m. why this is listed as an adjunct I'm not sure but Nordstrom stylists will offer fall fashion tips at Joey's Grill and Lounge tapas will be served
0: oh what do you know I'm kind of sorry I missed that <laughs> I know uh, the topest fall fashion tips. <laughs> hmm.
1: Well, anyway, you were, you were covered in the paper anyway. I think that's, yeah.
0: So just the exposure alone was right. worth the experience.
1: Is there any kind of like halo effect from that? Like, do you, do you notice sales go up or are you getting on the radio? Is anything like that happen as a result of this? Or is it just, you just get paid and you get to go.
0: It is absolutely just that you get paid and you get to go. <laughs> uh, in my experience, and this is what's very, very confusing about show business, and it may be true from from where you stand also, your small, strange corridor off the main mm-hmm. hall of show business, but the idea of exposure at one level is demonstrably false. And I say that because all record labels track their sales relative to events in the world. Okay. Because record labels want to know which events affect sales, right? Obviously. And so my own record label, Barsook Records had a lot of bands that at, or not a lot, but a handful of bands that at one time or another played the David Letterman show. They played the, uh, the tonight show even. Wow. And I was, and remain, uh, close to the founder, Josh Rosenfeld. And although he never, ever would share proprietary information with me, I was able to ask some questions about what worked for other bands and get fairly candid answers. And what's astonishing is that when a band plays The David Letterman Show, and I've seen this over and over, the following week and the week after, there is almost no change in sales. Right. Um, statistically, Uh, unimportant, you know, statistically negligible bump in sales. And so if you don't get a bump in sales, that's measurable from playing the David Letterman show or Saturday night live. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, you're definitely not going to get a noticeable one from playing the opening of the Westfield South Center Mall. (laughs) (laughs) But more importantly, there is no such thing as as um, exposure with a one-to-one correlation. Like no single incident of exposure matters. What matters is the collective, the collected number of appearances the number of what they describe, what they call uh, impressions. Right. The number of impressions you make during a given record cycle. And no one thing matters. It's if you are on Saturday Night Live and then you are also on the cover of the magazine in the dentist's office and you are also on Mm. the radio and you also have your record as an end cap as soon as you walk into the Best Buy. And you also, you know, it's like it takes five or six or seven of those all working in concert to cause the average consumer to say, huh, I've heard of those guys.
1: Interesting.
0: Maybe I should make the investment in this thing. And so that kind of orchestrated, like, mega push. And, I, and and you see it happen all the time. Like I had heard, I had heard of Taylor Swift's "Shake It Off" <laughs> for weeks and weeks and weeks, and there was a part of me that actively resisted ever hearing Taylor Swift "Shake It Off." <laughs> you know, I did not want to hear it. I didn't want to know about it. But it was everywhere. <laughs> it pervaded. And there was controversy and there was critical uh, disagreement. And finally, and I don't, uh, you never remember what the thing is that pushes you over the edge. I finally was like, all right, I'll listen to Taylor Swift's Shake It Off. <laughs> and I finally succumbed. And then I was like, oh, that's a pretty good jam. Right. Shake it off. Yeah. Shake it off. Ooh, 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 ooh like yeah all right now i'm on board now i am part of the the taylor swift shake it off movement but if you know if that had petered out before i'd arrived at that at that like all right fine hmm. if if the you know if the thing had run its course um i never would have heard it or or by the time i heard it i would have formed some opinion like, well, that's kind of over, isn't Mm it? Um, and that's, what's astonishing about, about show business. It's just like if, if for your record to be a hit, you need to connect with the average schmo and to connect with that schmo, you need to speak schmo first of all, Mm -hmm. and, and just pummel them from all sides.
1: But that's why uh, it always seems like those things happen organically in a way. But <laughs> you're saying no, right? How does it happen? No. What, ha- <laughs> what happens to make that? Like, the, is there like really good PR people pulling strings like the Illuminati or something?
0: Uh, It costs millions of dollars is what normally
1: happens. Yeah. I mean,
0: it's a combination, right? The PR people are important they have to have money budgeted to run a really good campaign. And it has to, the music has to be good enough that it, on first listen, it has to do two things. On first listen, it has to not appall you. Right. And it can even appall you somewhat as long as it has the second characteristic, which is that it is memorable. Right. So if it's totally appalling, but it's really memorable, you know, that works too. It can be kind of memorable, but if it's totally not appalling, you know what I mean? Like the, the two have to interact with each other, appalling and memorable, but it doesn't have to be great. It just has to, you know, it has to fall somewhere on that spectrum. And then, you just, you pour money at it. And I, sure, every once in a while, there's something that's, that's, um, that's so good that it surprises you. But, but a long time before it ever got to surprise you, it surprised some publicist somewhere who was like, you know what? I'm going to work this extra hard yeah, because I believe. Do you remember the first time you heard Eminem's
1: uh, <laughs> first single? Uh, I'm prob I mean, I think so. I couldn't tell you where I was, like with the shuttle disaster or something. But you, is that right? Yeah, should Eminem I just kind of snuck into your? No, I mean I remember it. I just don't remember. Like, oh yeah, I was sitting in the front of my you know Honda Civic, and it was uh, no, I I can't I can't recall that. Should I? is that is that bad? Is it that was it that big of a de- of a deal? In my own case. <laughs> <coughs> In my own case, I <laughs> this is like you'll tell your kids one day. I remember the my first time I song, right where I, I was, was sitting,
0: sitting in the front seat of my Honda Civic. <laughs> I was parked in a rural area, listening to, uh, listening to the radio, and Slim Shady. Yeah, I knew it was Slim Shady, but came on the radio, <laughs> and like I had that that completely like it doesn't happen very often but i had that that bizarre experience where you you know where i pulled over to the side of the road and was like what the fuck is this
1: <laughs> in a good way or a bad way in an absolutely good way okay
0: and i had no idea of the ethnicity of the performer and so listen to it listen to slim shady the first time Picturing that he was a black performer mm-hmm. and was like, this is unlike uh, any, uh, I did not see this next development in rap music coming and it is electrifying. Um, and that's an example of a thing where I'm sure when that reached the desk of some publicist mm-hmm. that they said, Oh, Oh, I can work this record, right? Me. But a long time before it reached the desk of that publicist, publicist, it had already reached the ears of a little guy you might have heard of named Dr. Dre, mm-hmm. who was already like you know pulling all his strings. So it's not it's not like any of those those megastars really just kind of come out of nowhere and on the you know and they're selling their record out of the trunk of their car, and right. then all of a sudden they're a monster. I mean, yeah, no, it's it's. um uh, you know it's a massive system and uh, and if there was an easy way to do it people would do it all the time there's no easy way to do it and there's no easy way to I mean shake it off it does have to be a great song too for it to be that ubiquitous yeah no long winter song ever passed the test of like and i'm not sure whether it was that they i think it i think long winter songs are not appalling but they're also just not that instantly memorable you know they're not you don't walk away from the first listen of a long Winter song and you're already singing it
1: you know well i don't know i i mean i think that everybody's different like their musical tastes are different and my my kid was humming your song later in the day and he wanted to hear it twice he was humming it he was you know "Mm,
0: no (laughs) <laughs> but no
1: i mean i think some like i remember back when i was it, for me i really started to get like get into music at like around the same time it all seems to have happened at once like everything with like being able to drive or starting to get your restricted license meant you could you could listen to music not on headphones and not just in your room but you could like be somewhere with other people and going somewhere and listening to music and like I remember I got this horrible little uh, equalizer amplifier thing that I, I figured out how to hook up into my car in, in my Honda Civic and it was like I, you screwed it onto to the bottom of your dashboard and it I blew out all the speakers in my car twice to, after I replaced them I blew them out again <laughs> And it it was EQ. That's very good. I was mainly listening to Led Zeppelin and at the time. So I, you know, I blame them. But like, I just, I remember that all kind of, that's when I really got into music. You know, like for me, that was the turning point. And although I don't have any like, M memories like of like the first time I heard that I definitely remember a lot of the artists that were coming out of your hometown, you know, like whether it was like the first time I heard a Pearl Jam song or the first time I heard a Nirvana song or that because the, this kind of music was music that I felt like, especially where I was sort of in this wasteland of Orlando, Florida, where these this was music that like spoke to me for sure. And like, I really felt like I was part of that in, intended audience for the music at that specific time and place in a way. And the angst was there and we wore flannel, even though it was really hot in Orlando. And, you know, like that, I connected with that scene in as much as I felt like I could have connected with a music scene at that time. And it was, you know, but it, as I'm listening to you describe this, like there is that kind of first moment where you hear a song or you hear something and you're like inspired to go and say, That thing that I just heard was was really cool and I really want to know who that was and I really want to go and get that album. And I mean, I remember doing that with They Might Be Giants. Like the first time I heard Anna Eng, I was like I I like I saw part of the video on MTV and I heard it and I was like, okay, and like got in the car and drove to the Peaches and kind of like hummed it to the guy who worked at the Peaches. And he's like, "Oh yeah, that's they. Uh, they might be giants." And he like walked me over to Lincoln and handed it to me, and I was like, "Okay, like this is." And you know, now my kids are growing up listening to like their kid songs. You know, it's just, it's just weird. But I definitely feel like music is is a turning point for people. You hear something, and it's something like changes inside of you after you hear a band or a song or a, or something that that you connect with or that you like.
0: Yeah, I mean, most of the people my age had that experience to Kiss Alive or Kiss yeah. Alive 2. Yep. Uh, specifically, Kiss Alive 2 being the being the one that really connected with my with my era. Uh, but you're a little bit younger. Just a so, few,
1: yeah, that was 76? Alive 2? Seven, 77. 77, yeah. okay. Well, good guess. Um, yeah, I was you, just you, a few, I'm what, like two or four years younger than you, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so what was the
0: first music that, that you remember um, like before you had a car, before you were 16 and part of a thing, but what was the first music that connected with you as a child?
1: Oh, absolutely. With, without a doubt. I mean, I had heard a lot of music up to this point, but when I heard Devo's freedom of choice, Oh, 1980, i always remember it. For me, it was like, Oh my God. Th- they're singing to me specifically. This is my music. It sounds like music should sound. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I played that album and, and w- wore out the grooves in that album playing that thing over and over and over and over again. And Whip It wasn't even my favorite song on there, you know, like, but that has, like, when I think of Devo. I'm, I am thinking of, you know, Girl You Want and Ton of Love and Snowball and Gates of Steel and like all of these songs just were so spot on for me. And this was, like I said, 1980. So that makes sense because Kiss Alive 2 for you would have been like the equivalent age for me in 1980. And this thing just came out and it was the first album that I like went and like I'm buying this with my money, kind of thing, and ah, uh, what did I just? I just loved it, and you know, I I saw Mark uh, Mother Spa in the airport at LAX once, mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure if it was him, but I think I mentioned this at one point that that the fluorescent orange shirt that said Devo on it kind of gave it away. No, when I, 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 I really, he was
0: wearing <laughs> yes. a Devo shirt. Yes, okay.
1: yeah, All right, and uh, like it was one of those moments where I just. I really wanted to go up and talk to him. I really wanted to say hi to him. I really wanted to tell him like you probably hear this a lot, but like your music completely changed my life and made a little kid not feel so alone, you know? But like I didn't want to be the guy who goes up to people and to somebody and says something like that and so I didn't go I didn't say hi to him. Mm. But looking back, I wish I wish I had. That's one of my few regrets, deep regrets in life. That you had a chance
0: to go up and bother Mark Mother's the yeah. Airport, and you didn't take that. Yeah, and chance. he was on
1: my flight; like he was in the same waiting area as me. Oh, he, was, Whoa, in the same he wa- was on
0: your flight. Yeah, he was oh, going to that Austin. that changes everything. You could have, like, you could have, uh, yeah, you could have bumped into him at the uh, on the way the, to the
1: bathroom or whatever. Something even worse. The rest of the guys came too. They were all of Devo was on my flight. Whoa, I know, I know. But anyway, that was it for me. Why do you ask? Why are you curious? what my listening tastes were as an 11, 10, 11 year old. Well, I mean, I think
0: that it (laughs) matters. And, and, uh, you know, 1980, uh, what I was 11 or 12. Right. Uh, Devo also uh, made a massive impact. Um, and I have, and I felt the same way that like, now that we have had Devo, now that we have Devo, why is not all music, Conforming to the new understanding, <laughs> yeah. That what that what we've been waiting for is this Devo music, and there need be no further evolution. It, we have arrived, uh, and I was st- I was just astonished that the world could contain both Devo and Sammy Hagar simultaneously. <laughs> <laughs> but not only did the world contain it, the heavy metal soundtrack contained it. Right, they were on the same album.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um
0: and it just felt like uh you know it was very it was that was a very confusing time 1980 uh <laughs> was ex- extremely confusing yeah. music musical time <laughs> um you know the the uh like stadium rockers who were supposedly supposed uh, who were supposed to have been killed off by punk rock were not killed off by punk rock mm-hmm. and they were all still I mean Foreigner 4 came out right around then or a- right after right after then. But then Punk Rock was also there and New Wave was happening and Disco was still around. Yeah,
1: still kicking around.
0: And the 9 to 5 Dolly Parton soundtrack <laughs> and all that sort of country and western pop, right. Kenny, Kenny Rogers, that was all happening. Uh, what was a what was a young person supposed to do? And um, you know, all you could do was just listen to everything and be confused. But well, the the music that I was listening to when I got my driver's license was a very small, weird subset of music. Right about the time I got my driver's license, I was listening to Canadian rock, <laughs> Triumph, Rush zebra, the theme. <laughs> um, a lot of, a lot of uh, sort of med- metal, not metal, big, weird Canadian stadium rock <laughs> like that, that just doesn't have fast way. I mean, I don't even know if fast way are Canadian. They're probably not, but it was, a, it was a strange little moment in the mid 1980s that produced this strange sort of brief Aldo Nova driven, um, you know, little, little bit rockier than the Greg Kin band. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Billy Squire, it's, it's hard to, hard to exactly know what to call it. Pop, pop, not metal pop hard rock I yeah guess. yeah um really i was super into triumph and uh and then all of that got swept away by the scorpions who came in <laughs> and just revolutionized music yeah with their german pop metal uh which you know completely oh game changer if you were going to stand at a party like wet with beer and sing, sing music out loud with your friends. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing, nothing better than the Scorpions. <laughs> um, but of course that the center couldn't hold. Right, you can't you can't be a lifelong Scorpions fan oh, and yeah, expect no. expect to like interact with other people. <laughs> so it was a br- it was just a brief, it was just a brief moment but it coincided right with when I got my driver's license. Yeah. I was like, now I'm in the car. I can listen to whatever music I want and I'm going to listen to worldwide live.
1: <laughs> but that was, I mean, that was such a, an interesting kind of a feeling of, of being able to like drive somewhere and you can put the windows down and you can listen to music and like you're f- sort of free for the first time in a way that you've never really been before and the car didn't really matter it's just the fact that you were you were going somewhere
0: here we go again <laughs> all the way from a star? <laughs> I will try to change things I can allow I still don't know the lyrics now <laughs> they build a wall so strong that I can't get through Is a really no will to start once again I'm loving you. Windows down. Yeah, driving. Headlights on. Still loving you. <laughs> Don't know the lyrics. Still, they're half in German. How, how am I supposed to know what the fuck he's saying? Yeah, but I could I could sing all the guitar parts. I I know every every note of it. <sighs> it's so pathetic. It's not bad, con- but you know somewhere. All of my somewhere in the rest of America, all of my peers who were going to be my future friends. Right. They were all listening to Hoosker Doo <laughs> and somehow appreciating it. And I had access to Hoosker Doo. I could listen to it if I wanted, but I didn't. I didn't want to because it didn't sound very good. And I was listening to Still Loving You by the Scorpions, mm-hmm. thinking like. Does it get any better than this? Listen to those guitars. They are through very large amplifiers. Mm -hmm. They're echoing out into the German night, echoing across that Berlin wall and maybe spreading freedom (laughs) to those poor enslaved communists across the way. Right. But all of the people that I was one day going to be good friends with and hanging out with were all, listening to the Minutemen in whatever American town they lived in and thinking, yeah, right. Get in the van. And there was always going to be this unbridgeable gulf between me and, and my peer group because I just was not, I was not listening to the right music to one day be uh, a 45 year old post punk cool kid. Right. I'm always going to be this suburban <laughs> metal head. And I wasn't really even invested in metal. It was just all, it was just all I could, I don't know, all I could get my hands on that, that, um, that conveyed that, that inner life that I had, which was very dramatic in a German accent. <laughs> and with a, <laughs> with a, with a, with a stripy guitar Singing, uh, and singing like hard to parse lyrics about wanting somebody,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and maybe what that maybe that somebody that you want is freedom.
1: Wow. Right? Yeah.
0: Man. Jeez. I don't know how we
1: survived this long, Dan. I don't know. It's heavy stuff. Yep, but
0: thank God for podcasting.
1: Yeah, seriously,
0: because now these memories don't have to be like tears in rain. They can be like diamonds on the soles of your
1: shoes. <laughs> oh God! I'd see that was in that was uh, early high school for me. That album is that right? <laughs> yeah. That was like ninth ninth grade, and um, we used to li- we used to listen to. We'd uh, be allowed to bring our headphones in, and I would listen to that in my drafting class. You could listen to
0: music in your high school. Oh, just drafting, just drafting. See that right there is the generation gap
1: between you and me. Oh yeah. Well, you because, didn't take drafting classes.
0: But there's no way you could have put headphones on.
1: Yeah, because you're Google. working on your you're working on your vellum. You've got your uh, you know, you have your assignment, and it started out for the first, I think. Eight weeks of class, we just drew different kinds of isometric uh, isometric projections of screws, and he would put the the you know tell you this page eight, you're going to draw that, and so you would have to study it and then draw it, and the whole class was just silence. So that at some point they allowed you to bring headphones, and the whole class was just silent, and you could sit there and uh, and draw your uh, your screw. You you are you are not listening to me Dan. <laughs> You're saying that there was no drafting class in your high school?
0: I'm saying absolutely there was a drafting class,
1: but what you listened to
0: was the professor's transistor radio oh. playing excerpts from the classical station. Oh. Headphones were a brand new technology. Portable Walkman. I remember my first Walkman. Oh yeah. And it was right about 1980. Yeah. And it was regarded by adults as, as, as like a, 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 like an insidious form of, of, um, like a new kind of rebellion, a, uh, uh, like an insurrection. They they did not want you to have headphones on because if you had headphones on, you were not l- able to listen to them.
1: So no, they were banned. They were banned in the whole school. You couldn't have Oh man. And so leave I them in your locker. My parents thought those things were the best. They made me be quiet for a little while. And I, I was always encouraged to wear them and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and listen to my songs.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think some of the hysteria had passed by that point yeah, you know I was I, I was the first generation of kids that played video games right so the video games right. were on the cover of Time Magazine like are they going to destroy our youth <laughs> are video games going are they you know are they turning our children into into uh, Manchurian candidates for <laughs> for Japanese companies right. who are mad about Pearl Harbor still
1: uh huh
0: <laughs> Like, all of that stuff was really in the air. By the time you came
1: along... You had, was, cl- you had paved the way for me a little bit. That's right. Yeah. We, we,
0: had, we had proved that, yes, video games are destroying the youth, but there's nothing you can do about it. And, yes, headphones are also destroying the youth, but there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Like we, we, we were the test case for all of that stuff. And look at us now. Yeah. No respect. Right. No respect. Nobody even Nobody even appreciates for a second the number of hours of playing Tempest that I gave for the service of my, to, in, in service of, of my co- country.
1: I love Tempest. I loved it. I still love it. It's best, one of the best arcade games ever. Yeah. You just about said the best, but then you took it back because you didn't well, get a lot of angry letters. I did. And I also, we should, you know, we got a couple emails we should go over, but I, I mean, I, you have to hold, there's some other ones up there, asteroids that are uh, really. Uh,
0: did, did, did you just say we have some emails to go over? Like we're going to do viewer mail?
1: Yeah. Listener, listener mail.
0: Oh, do I didn't know that was a feature of our, show. we don't, we don't have, I mean, it's,
1: we don't have to do it. No, I think it's great. Let's try it. All right. Before we do it, let me thank our sponsor. It's Wealthfront, a low cost automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way. They work 24 seven to manage your portfolio. Keep it diversified and customized all to your risk profile. So when you sign up, you go in and there's a little a little questionnaire. It takes like three minutes to answer it, but that tells them how you want to invest your money and what you're comfortable with. If you're you know young and you're just starting out, you kind of have nothing to lose, right? But you can you can communicate that to them by based on your the answers to your question. Or if you're more conservative and you're like, no, keep keep it safe, they will do that and they follow that and then they invest your money and they they do really cool things like they try to. Uh, to, to save you money, they keep your tax bill low they don 't charge any commissions and uh, and it 's a very very a lot of sophisticated tools that are usually sort of reserved just for people who have uh, tons and tons of money and uh and like personal uh, financial advisors. Well, these guys become your financial advisors and they uh they 're really affordable they save you money they don 't have hidden fees they don 't charge you for all these little tiny transactions uh, those things add up really quick. These guys don't do that. So you can go and learn more about them and what they do and how they, uh, how they help you invest your money the right way by going to wealthfront.com slash five by five, wealthfront.com slash five by five and, uh, join what are now thousands of people all over the country. They're managing over $2.4 billion in client assets and growing. So go check them out. I know it's not, uh, it's not a little thing. And, and, and by the way, the special, uh, just for five by five listeners, they'll manage your first $15,000 free of charge for life. So Whoa. Uh, yeah, it's a nice thing.
0: You know, I feel like you, you really do need to figure out what your personal risk profile is. For sure. And that is something that applies to every aspect of, of your life. What risks are you willing to take? <laughs> yeah. Right? How risky are you willing to be in life? And I do feel like if you look back at the history of the stock market, if you are young and can weather the ups and downs and you put your money in there and just leave it. Yep. Right. Let it get, let, let it get managed and just don't think about it. Yeah. It, it, stock markets just pretty much always gone up over right. the long haul. Right, right. Uh, But that's very, that's very risky. That's very scary. Money goes away. Sometimes comes yeah. back, goes away, comes back. It's very different when you get to be someone in the prime of life like me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you have to start, you have to start reevaluating your risk profile. You know, like I no longer, I no no longer will, um, at a stoplight, uh, uh, jump out and run around the car and get back (laughs) in. I used to do that all the time. Right. Won't do it at all now because my risk profile has changed.
1: It has changed, yeah. You're a parent,
0: so that's something that you have to think about for yourself, long and hard. But that's nice that they that they uh, that they say that right up front.
1: Yeah, they get it out there
0: because that's a big that's a big part of investing. You have to figure out like where am I on this?
1: Right. It's not a one stop shop. No. So go check it out. Wealthfront.com/slash-five-by-five. And uh, now I have to tell you that Wealthfront is an SEC registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are offered through Wealthfront. <laughs> Brokerage Corporation member FINRA and SIPC. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities. Investing in securities involves risks and there is the possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee okay, of future okay, okay, results. Okay. Please visit wealthfront.com to read their full disclosure. All right. Their full disclosure probably will not have beatbox. No, it won't. So we got a, a lot of feedback. To my surprise, well, a lot of people, and we won't talk about reviews. But a lot of people have written in just to say that they they enjoy the show, uh, they they enjoy our uh, our camaraderie. But That's nice. the, yeah, I love it. And the one thing though that a generated a lot of feedback on Twitter is this discussion of making scrambled eggs. This has become oh yeah a big a big thing.
0: Yeah, you got to assume that people have a lot of strong feelings about it because it's something that we all we all share. Is there is there a culture that does not eat? The scrambled ovum of uh <laughs> of the yard bird? Of the of like the
1: the uh Jimmy the, Page's first uh the,
0: the, the gross yard bird that is the chicken. Right. Um is there any culture that doesn't eat uh cooked eggs? I don't think so. So everybody I mean I I'm sure there is, but but for the most part, scrambled eggs are something we all can have a strong feeling about. So people, so you're telling me that, that this reader mail segment is going to be just people yelling at us about scrambled eggs.
1: Well, you know, I think that, I think it struck uh, a, a note with a lot of people, a chord perhaps. And, and a lot of people have asked, you know, if we could, if we could make a website like I did with the bacon thing, I'm not planning to do that because I don't, I don't see the scrambled egg thing as as much of a religion as I do baking you know, bacon in the right way, but I, I didn't, re- you know, realize that of all the things that we've talked about, that that would be the thing that people are tweeting to us about so much. But eggs? Did you try it? Did you try making the eggs that way?
0: No, I'm going through a little bit of a phase <laughs> uh, right now where every day I come home and I open my freezer and I look in there and I realize that I I've got like four gallons of cabbage soup that I froze <laughs> six months ago because I was tired of eating it. And now it sits in there and the cabbage soup isn't the type of thing that you're going to ever say, you know, I'm going to thaw that cabbage soup out and really like revisit it. I overestimated how much cabbage soup I wanted to eat. Yeah, that's easy to do. And so then I get discouraged by the cabbage soup. And then everything else in my refrigerator just sort of looks wrong to me (laughs) in the reflected light of that frozen cabbage soup. So, you know, I, for, for the last couple of years, I have been pretty diligent about not eating gluten very much. Yeah. But, uh, the last few weeks I've just thrown that completely out the window. So I go in, I look at the cabbage soup. It's wrong. I don't want to make anything else. And then I go, uh, get in my car and go get a pizza. Um, so I'm, I'm in, I'm in the, (laughs) The doldrums right now. The food doldrums. Mm-hmm. And so the prospect of like making perfect scrambled eggs just uh, I haven't I that seems like something I'm gonna go to in the fall.
1: Okay. okay.
0: When when autumn comes, that's gonna be my egg time.
1: Um, well, I mean, that makes sense. I want you, I still want you to try fluff or nutter.
0: There's no chance. No, I, uh, there's been a lot of a lot of cross talk about fluffer nutters. I have seen many pictures of them now. I've, people have been pretty gleefully tweeting fluffer nutters at yeah. me. Yeah, and they look <laughs> so repulsive.
1: No, they look like something. If it's I, good. It's like it's, a. It's kind of like a s'more. It's like the s'mores older brother. Oh. No, no. if I was stuck in snow. Oh, stop.
0: I might put a fluffer nutter under my rear tires to regain <laughs> uh-huh. traction, but I would never put it in my body. It's good. It's really good. They're really good.
1: Nothing sounds good about it. Do you like marshmallows? Sort of. Uh, this is. I don't. I'm not a big marshmallow fan. This is good though. And then uh-huh. there was a lot more feedback came in about cigarette loads. Right. And someone sent and I'll put this into into the notes for our show. I should tell people where to find those. Five by five dot TV slash roadwork slash three. Somebody sent in a compila- a video compilation. I don't think they made the compilation for us, but they they found it and sent it to us. Uh-huh. And it I have you know, I think I've seen this before a little bit, but you you are not kidding. There are some very big explosions going on. Oh, yes. But some of them almost seem like, a, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to call it a dud, but it's just sort of like a little pop, a little snap. But other ones, it seems like it's a, like a firecracker went off in the person's face. <sighs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Is <laughs> is there, a, are there different kinds of these things? Or? Oh, it's
0: making me so happy just <laughs> thinking about it. Um, you know, they're very unpredictable, like all fireworks. And this is a warning for you kids at home. Yeah. Um, uh. Place on ground, light and get away. Yes. do not hold in hand uh, because a fire one firecracker might go pap and the next one might go blam. Yes. And the same is true with cigarette loads. you can never know for sure. I went through a phase where I would put two cigarette loads <laughs> in a cigarette because here's the here's the uh, this is some deep science <laughs> that I'm sharing with people. But if you put a cigarette load in a cigarette and the cigarette goes pap, Uh the end of it blows up. The person is mad and startled. But what do they do? 99% of the time, they relight the cigarette. Mm -hmm. Because you blew the end of it off, but they they were set to enjoy a delicious cigarette and they still have four-fifths of a cigarette they're going to relight that cigarette, ah, uh. and smoke it again. And so, if you if the first cigarette <laughs> load you put in, you push as far in as you can, and this requires that you have a tool. You need a paper clip or something that enables you to push that first cigarette load deep, deep, deep into the cigarette, and then the second one you put in just at the end, very shallowly. So the pow, the cigarette explodes and they're like ha ha very funny you guys and everybody's laughing and spilling beer and then they light the cigarette again Ugh. and they smoke it for a little while longer and everybody and no one is no one expects the spanish inquisition yeah
1: <laughs> when
0: that second one goes off oh man that's when they get up and chase you out of the bar that's when they, they then they're mad and that's what you're going for is mad you want them to be you want them to be bad. But if you put two cigarette loads right next to each other, you can sometimes get a, a kind of pow-pow, <laughs> which is also, I mean, look, I've spent a lot of time playing with cigarette loads. Decades and decades
1: of monkeying with them because there's something wrong with me. Is Have you ever had that one played prank on you? Uh, Yes. But,
0: but most people are not prepared to go to the great lengths. You know, Uh, the, 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 the primary trait you need to be effective at cigarette load pranking is patience you have to be prepared for that person to not you know you put the cigarette back in their pack and you try to put it in there in such a way that it just blends in well it could be two days before they get to it if they are a casual smoker and most people don't have that kind of patience. Right. right. Yeah, you know? no. And then you, and then you're sitting and you're smoking cigarettes at the bar and they're, they're watching you a little too carefully and they're giggling and you're like, what's going on? What's, did you dip my cigarettes in PCP?
1: <laughs> yeah. A wet daddy.
0: And then you're like, and then you're like, no, you don't have any liquid PCP, but I bet you have a cigarette load somewhere, don't you? And then you're, you know, even if it goes off, you're kind of ready for it. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so, but is there actual viewer mail that we are going to
1: actually reply to questions, actual questions? Well, uh, what I wanted to do, most of the comments that we got so far are just people who are saying, hey, you know, great show. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were a couple people who have asked, and the closest thing we have to people asking a question this week is they, they wanted to know if we had seen Gordon Ramsay's technique for making eggs, which they say is similar, but maybe even better. So I'll put that in the show notes also. But what I wanted to do is take this time to encourage people to, if you do have questions uh, for John or for me or both of us, or or topic suggestions or other things, we would love to hear them. You can go to 5by5.tv slash contact and there will be uh, a link right there that will have a little uh, email link that will get, get the question to us. So we, wish, mm-hmm. I would love that.
0: I... <laughs> I love that stuff. Yeah, I will. I will answer questions all day. It's very, very exciting. And and having you as an additional resource, mm-hmm. the two of us and our combined uh, experience and and computational power,
1: right? They, it doesn't have to be a question like that's just about the us or the show. It could be like a question, a bigger, a bigger issue. I think
0: it should. I think we should open <laughs> it up to all questions. Like, do you, for instance, do you think that Dark matter maybe has a different kind of electrical, is a different kind of electrical system, right? So it's not that it's neutral necessarily, it's just neutral to our concept of positive and negative charge.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Right? What if dark matter has its own sort of positive and negative charge that we just can't... Can't even measure it. We can't measure it because we don't. We're not even aware of it yet. Maybe we even can measure it. We just have to be made aware of it, and we're only just now even conceiving of it. Wow. What do you think about that? I mean, that's I mean that would it. be the type of question that that I think you and I could really chew on. That's what you want. <sighs> sort of. I mean. <laughs> I definitely like, I love questions. I love unanswerable questions. Yeah, I love, but you know, not, I I mean, we could also do trivia, but I like, I don't want people to think it's just like a quiz because you're so good on the internet.
1: Every time I say something, you just find it on the internet. Well, I just, I just listen. I listen and I type. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's all, that's all I do. But if people
0: are asking us questions where the answer is just on the internet, that's not going to
1: be fun. Well, no, it has to be debatable. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and then the, the last thing that I have on my list is they have, st- they have started a fan blog for this podcast. They? Them? I don't know who. It doesn't really say who. It's a Tumblr, and it's FY. I'll put it in the show notes. Why not? FY Roadwork. .tumblr.com. So I, if you would What does FY mean in that context? I don't know because there's one for uh for the other show that you do, FY Roadwork. And I think it's FY I it. the other one is FY is it Roderick or FY Roderick on the line. Anyway, there's another one for for your uh, show with Merlin as well. So I don't know who does it or why, but I love it and it's got images and and there's a nutter pictured there. So, is. yeah, go check it out. My desire to get you to eat a fluffernutter I think is as strong as any desire you've ever had to put a load in someone's cigarette. Like I'm trying to find a way to somehow make it so that you wind up eating one of these things without realizing it at first. Like it, like you put one inside of a taco and get you, to, you start eating the taco. And Hey, fluffernutter, right? You know, something where you get to somehow you're eating, you know, the fluffernutter.
0: I feel like if the bread were toasted if the fluffernutter itself was either toasted or maybe like fried like a grilled cheese sandwich yes no absolutely you can do that if 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 it it were presented to me as a kind of hot grilled (laughs) or fried sandwich Uh that that it might overcome
1: my revulsion I'm not saying you're gonna like it or even love it or want it again but I feel like it's something you should try yeah. You know, like I ate live octopus in South Korea. I don't want that again. But I had no, it. You know no, what I mean? <laughs> no.
0: I've had Rocky Mountain oysters. I don't need to have those again. Um, I see what you're saying, but but it's very unlikely unless someone hands me a hot fluffer nutter on a plate, I am not going to seek one. And even if one comes to me on a plate, I may it, it's a it's a 50-50 proposition whether or not. <laughs> because, you know, live octopus is something that you can't extrapolate really. It's right. Like, this is a, either you eat it or you don't, like chocolate-covered grasshoppers. Right. But a Fluffer Nutter, I know what all of the components taste like. And so I can picture them assembled. Mhm. Can picture the mouthfeel. Mhm. And it just feels like something that it just feels like prison food.
1: Well, but, I mean, I'm not going to argue that. I don't know <laughs> if I can argue that. And <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, Philadelphia is prison-like in a way. It used to be. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's just let's just hold that out there as, right. as a you
1: know realm of possibility. All right. Well, let's uh, let's end there. I'll, I'll see you next week, John.
0: Bye, Dan Benjamin.